am Jeff Garcia, and this is Locked On Spurs. Welcome back to Locked On Spurs, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you own a smart speaker, just simply tell that speaker to play Locked On Spurs. The Locked On NBA Network now can be found in all smart speakers. So whether it be the Spurs, the Celtics, the Mavericks, the Knicks, pick a team, just say Locked On, fill in the blank, and your favorite NBA team will play automatically. So I urge you to do that. And again, subscribe to Locked On Spurs. And speaking of your San Antonio Spurs, um, They've been winning four games in a row, so kudos to them. But we're going to put that win streak aside and uh, talk about uh, individual players and maybe a coach. Well, no, we will be talking about a coach, um, that being Greg Popovich. So first off, Pau Gasol, a lot of Spurs fans uh, <clears throat> I don't really take him kindly right now. That's just me putting it lightly. Uh, we're going to be talking about him and what the Spurs can do with him. Uh, we're also going to put... Uh, Greg Popovich on the spotlight in the hot seat uh, for his comments following the Spurs' dramatic win over the Phoenix Suns. And finally, we're going to talk about the all-star LaMarcus Aldridge and whether or not DeMar DeRozan should have been selected. To do all that and a lot more, I am once again joined by Jim Lefko, my colleague at News Force San Antonio. Jim, welcome back to Locked On Spurs. And um, I know you're eager to talk about, hmm, Popovich maybe? Or who do you want to pick? I'll let you uh, pick. Your Gasol well, column uh, or your Pop column? I, I try to write a column a week uh, for our websites, and uh, I wrote about Pal Gasol at the start of the week. But uh, then when the Phoenix game happened, I felt compelled to write a second column. So uh, <laughs> happy to chat about both of them. It's up to you. You're the host. Okay. Well, let's start off with Pal Gasol. Well, we'll ease the listener in uh, <laughs> before we get to the main topic. Uh, Pal Gasol, look, uh, I said it in the beginning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Pal Gasol is not, 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 I guess, well-received. With uh, Spurs fans, um, you know, whether it be his age or his, in their eyes, lack of production on the court, they, Spurs, the Spurs fan base just don't want him here. They want him away from San Antonio. But your column focuses on what to do with him, what to do with that contract, him as a player. Um, do you want to tell the listeners uh, about your column, please? Sure. Um, you know, I, I've liked Paul, Paul Gasol's game through the years. I thought he's been a great contributor everywhere he's been. Uh, unfortunately, the Spurs got him at the tail end of his career. And uh, he does fill a role for them. Um, he also makes a lot of money. For yeah. those that don't know, he's making uh, $16.8 million this year. And he's on the books for another $16 million next year, although I think only about uh, six of that is guaranteed. Still, that's a lot of money for a guy who's really not even part of the regular rotation right mm-hmm. now. Uh, the future at that spot, I believe, is uh, Jakob Pertl. And uh, there really aren't enough minutes to go around to play both Pertl and Gasol uh, substantively each night. Um, so if the Spurs are 100% healthy, and that's always a big if, uh, there's really not a need for Pal Gasol on this roster right now. Um, fans, I think, are a little harsh uh, on a guy who uh, still contributes in many ways. But the days of, of Gasol producing 20 points and 10 rebounds are, are behind him. So uh, the point of my column was to uh, see what's out there and what, what uh, possibly could happen uh, before the trade deadline, and we've still got a, a few days left, uh, would be uh, some kind of deal that would involve draft picks, Gasol, uh, maybe another player, uh, but the Spurs are going to have to eat a lot of that contract. And uh, it's just unfortunate that uh, they did invest so much money in a guy that uh, you know is going to be 40 pretty soon, uh, yeah. a 38-year-old guy. And, again, super fella, uh, popular in the locker room, doesn't complain about uh, you know performance, uh, did miss, what, about six to eight weeks uh, mm-hmm. with a foot injury. He's back now and uh, kind of finding a hard, you know, spot in the rotation for him. Uh, he started a couple games, but uh, you're more apt to just see him at the end of the bench. So it's a tough spot to be in, and I, I think uh, if I had to guess what's going to happen, uh, they won't be able to move him. 
Uh, they'll, they'll keep him on the roster the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see what kind of minutes he gets, and then next year they'll have to make that decision on uh, what to do with uh, that final year of his contract. Is there any value to him on and off the court? Um, you know, Spurs fans point to, oh, his lack of mobility, and that he's old. Um, look, he's getting beat uh, on the defensive end. But, you know, he has, he's been having kind of one of those games here and there where you're kind of like, well, maybe he's still serviceable. I believe he put up 13 points in a recent game. I forget which game it was. But he also gobbled up nine rebounds, um, was willing to take out the bats yesterday versus the Nets uh, when they invaded the uh, AT&T Center to start the game. Uh, but we're looking at X's and O's. If the Spurs are stuck with him, how should they use him in that capacity? Well, I really don't like him in the starting lineup. Uh, I think they're more effective uh, with the front line when they're healthy, you know, with uh, with Gay and Aldridge as the two big men and going a little bit smaller with DeRozan than uh, you know, throwing White in there and, and Forbes. I think that's their best five. There are times when injuries or, or matchups dictate uh, maybe a little bit more height. And uh, when when the Spurs do play uh, Aldridge and, uh, and Gasol, it presents matchup problems for the other team when the Spurs have the ball down low because those are two big men to guard. However, the Spurs are weaker defensively because uh, Gasol is not fleet of foot. And uh, there aren't a lot of players that you can put him on, and, and the minute you do, uh, they're they're picking and rolling, and he's you know matched up against somebody smaller and quicker. Um, so he's he's a defensive liability right now. Um, he's never been uh, you know the fastest guy on the court, and uh, as he gets older, he's he's lost maybe another half a step. Uh, but I think his savvy uh, is is worth noting. Uh, he gets good. Re- he's a good rebounder. He's a very good passer. Um, and he's a good locker room guy. So, you know, all those things being said, that's not worth, you know, the kind of money they're paying him, and yet the uh, contract's a contract. So yeah. he does bring value. Uh, it's nice to have a veteran when, uh, you know, you've got a young team uh, that you can look toward, and you don't know what the injury situation is going to be. You know, if Aldridge, uh, you know, who's got some had knee issues over the years, uh, gets, you know, the, the knees start acting up, you'd like to have another big man to throw out there. And if Pirtle, you know, were to, you know, turn an ankle or something, again, Gasol's value would increase. But when they're fully healthy, uh, I, I think it's going to be hard uh, for him to see substantive minutes on right. a regular basis. You know, that contract, um, it's hefty. You alluded to it. Um, a lot of teams may shy away with it. But you're looking off the court, Jim. Could that actually be an asset for the Spurs if they do dangle his uh, contract? I believe it either expires next after this season or it comes down considerably. Yeah, he's got the, he's on the books again for another year at $15 mm-hmm. million. Uh, which they will owe him, but only about $6 million of that's guaranteed. So there, there's some negotiating, and I'm not an expert on salary cap issues. Uh, he certainly will be easier to move next year. Or the Spurs could cut him and, and eat that money. Um, it's not typically what you like to do, um, but I don't know that there's a lot of value out there for him. My guess would be straight up, maybe he's worth a second-round pick. Right. Um, but I think more likely he'd be part of a deal or, or something to do with that expiring contract. But, again, when the contract expires, uh, I think I'd be shocked to see him you know, stay in the NBA. So his shelf life is limited. Again, marvelous career. You know, I would argue he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, mm-hmm. Multiple rings, played on uh, some great championship teams. Uh, you know, was a Memphis Grizzly, played in L.A., came here, uh, had another stop or two. So wonderful career and a great guy. Uh, it's just Spurs fans are seeing him at the end of the career, and uh, it's kind of sad that the, the city seems to have turned on him because yeah. uh, I think he's a remarkable man and a deep thinker and a quality person and player. Uh, but, you know, we're not seeing the best of uh, Paul Gasol's career. Yeah, I agree. There. He is Hall of Fame bound for what he's done in the NBA and uh, for Team Spain and, and the, uh, the the international stage. So he's a lock. You know, two NBA titles. I believe he was the Rookie of the Year, um, gold medalist, silver medalist. I mean, he's, he's done it all. Um, but when you look back, do you think the Spurs were wrong for giving him that contract? 
Yeah, you could argue that now. It is a lot of money. Uh, I think they hope to get more than right now. He's averaging four and a half points and uh, about five rebounds a game, uh, two assists. So, you know, those aren't numbers that would merit that kind of money. Um, but at the time you, you signed him, that was the going rate. And uh, while it seems like it's a lot of money, it's, you know, <laughs> there are people that are making a lot more. Um, I guess I'd put it in perspective of where he fits on the, the team's payroll. Yeah. He's number three. Yeah, he's three behind, you know, DeRozan and Aldridge, clearly the two best players, and they make the most money. Um, and to put it in perspective, DeRozan's making almost $28 million this year. So he's making, uh, you know, about $11, $12 million more than Gasol. That being said, uh, you look who's being paid less than Gasol, and you see some key players, Mills, Gay, Bertans, Bellinelli, Forbes, Pirtle. Those guys are all making considerably less than Gasol. So, yeah, this wouldn't be the way you have, would have designed it. Uh, was it a bad move to bring him in here? Well, he's, he's added value, but uh, I think most would agree it, it's coming at quite a price. Yeah, it definitely is. And, um, you know, as the season goes on, Jim, I feel like there might be a, that game, that game or two, and if the Spurs do make the playoffs, where we're going to need a veteran presence. And he's been there. He's done that from the NBA Finals to coming short in the playoffs. He's seen pretty much everything any basketball player could be thrown at him. That could come in handy as the uh, second half of the NBA season begins. Yeah, I agree, and uh, you never know about matchups. You know, there are some teams that uh, he wouldn't have a role against, but uh, I'm thinking of Golden State. And, we you know, when they right. used to go small in the past, uh, there really wasn't a role for Gasol. Now Golden State's got a big old center and DeMarcus Cousins. Mm. And, uh, if you don't want Aldridge on him, uh, you know, your choices are Pirtle or Gasol. So I think, uh, you know, a guy like Gasol would come in handy if they had a matchup uh, against him as you're trying to keep uh, Aldridge out of foul trouble. So depending on who they might meet in the postseason, depending on the second half of the season, uh, he'll have a role, but I just don't think it's going to be a nightly, you know, 15 minutes per game kind of thing. It's going to be more situational. That's six fouls, too. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's just six fouls right there that Spurs have themselves a handful with uh, some of the uh, younger, bigger centers uh, down the uh, road as the season continues. But if you're – no, not not if. You will. Listeners, go to Spurs Zone and read everything you need to know uh, from Jim's column about Powell Gasol, what to do with him, how the Spurs could handle this. It, it's a great column. It got a lot of feedback. I urge you to go check it out. Uh, Jim's column is spot on when it comes to Pau Gasol. Jim and I, we're going to take our first break. We get back. Uh, we're talking about an article that got some, got some, a, a little bit of quality feedback uh, there, Jim. So we'll be right back. We're back, and I'm joined by Jim Lefko, News Force San Antonio. Um, he is our weekly columnist over at the Spurs Zone. And all around, you're just a good guy, Jim. <laughs> nice to hear. Uh, not everybody thinks that after what I heard about uh, Coach Popovich a couple days ago. <laughs> well, I had to soften the blow because here we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in case you did not read, and I'm pretty sure you did, um, Jim had an uh, article uh, about Popovich and his reaction following the Spurs um, win over the Phoenix Suns in San Antonio where Rudy Gay nailed the game when he shot. The team was exuberant. They were jumping for joy. They were dogpiling on each other. It was just pretty much a, a joyous thing to see. And then there was Pop, who followed the game with uh, some really terse words uh, for the media regarding his team's play. Um, Jim, I'm going to let you take it over from here. Um, basically, what your column drew a lot of eyes and drew some pushback, not only from fans, but even other local media. Well, I would I would tell folks first of all before you form an opinion about it, read the column. Uh, it's interesting how <clears throat> you get feedback from uh, fans and, and colleagues uh, mm -hmm. from what they see in a headline or a blurb. 
And what I tried to do was uh, uh, certainly acknowledge throughout the column that Popovich is, uh, if not the best coach in NBA history, in the short list of folks that are. And depending on how long he chooses to coach, he could leave with the most wins in the history of the league. And uh, he's the standard by which everyone else now wants to be compared. So given that as a premise, um, I thought his actions after the Phoenix win were surprising at the least. Uh, I, I tend to watch games as a fan now that I'm not a 100% sports guy. And uh, while I didn't think the Spurs played very well against a, a very poor team in Phoenix, Phoenix shot lights out that night. And uh, it came down to the final moments. Uh, first, uh, Davis Bertans hit a three to give the Spurs a four-point lead. Then it was down to two. Then the Spurs turned it over. Right. Then it was tied. And then in the last second, Rudy Gay hits a game-winning shot. And it's the kind of shot you yell and scream and get excited about. And everybody in the stands reacted that way. And the players uh, acted like they just won the NBA championship. <laughs> yeah. They jumped on Rudy. And uh, I think it was one of the great moments of Rudy's life to hit that shot. You know, I don't know how many game-winners he's had in his distinguished career, but uh, – uh, I think he was pretty happy when he hit that shot. And I think anybody that is a fan of the silver and black felt the same way. Um, so five minutes later, ten minutes later, there's Bob holding, holding court in the locker room or in the uh, press area talking to the media. And like he does sometimes, this wasn't a Q&A with the media. This was a, a monologue. And I think he spoke for 30 or 45 seconds and uh, started in on his team, as he's done many a time. And uh, I don't believe he ever mentioned anything about Rudy's shot and just talked about how the Spurs didn't respect uh, the opposition, in this case, you know, a last-place Phoenix team, um, how they uh, didn't take it seriously, uh, how they got outplayed uh, and out-executed. And uh, his, his mind that really struck me was that uh, we had no respect for them or the game. We didn't play with each other. It was a prophetic performance, and Phoenix got robbed. And that Rob line uh, didn't sit well with me. Um, fresh in everyone's mind is that New Orleans uh, football game where mm-hmm. the Saints actually did get robbed. There was no horrible call that cost the, uh, the Spurs. Um, if, if Rudy hadn't made that shot, the game would have gone to overtime. And uh, then, you know, no, no telling what might have happened. But in, in Pop's car, you know, cosmic view, the team that plays the best should win. And uh, I, I don't doubt him. You know, I don't dis- dispute that that's a way that he's operated his entire career. But in this instance, I think he should have, uh, you know, paid lip service not only to Rudy Gay but to Davis for hitting that shot and and the uh, you know the temerity the team showed in that final minute. Uh, you don't play your best game every night, and there have been times when they've lost uh, when he's been happy because they played so well. And I get that some of this is a motivational mind game, mm-hmm. but I concluded after all that by saying, you know, if if this is uh, really uh, what where he's at now at the age of 70, and he can't enjoy a victory, even one uh, albeit where his team didn't play very well. Uh, should he thought start looking about the you know his own exit strategy, so that was the, the gist of it. Uh, it's funny um, after I was finished writing the column, you know you have to put a headline on there, and I uh, I ref- re- referred to his tantrum. Yeah. And I probably got more feedback about that word than anything else <laughs> in the column, but uh, debating whether it was or wasn't a tantrum. Um, I'll leave that for for the readers to decide. You can watch the video. Um, I stick by that word. I think it was. I think it was a little petty. And, uh, you know, that, that's my two cents worth. So we've gotten uh, three or 400 comments from people on uh, on our Facebook page, uh, probably that many on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, I think it's fun. I think, you know, people are taking shots at me. That's fine. Uh, I've been in the hot seat before. Uh, and, again, I respect the heck out of uh, Coach Pop and what he's done. And I just thought in this instance uh, uh, I questioned his behavior. And that hasn't happened a lot over his career in this city doesn't mean I don't, uh, you know, follow the Spurs closely and want them to win and, you know, want him to exit as the, the best coach in NBA history. But in this instance, I wondered about that tactic and that strategy. So that was uh, the long and short of, of what I wrote. Jim, when you look at that, um, that what, what just happened on the court um, when the Spurs um, got the game, thanks to Rudy Gay's heroics, 
and you see that joy, and then you see, you know, Popovich being grumpy about how the team played. Would that could that happen in a situation where, he, as you mentioned, he just celebrates it? And I bring it up because of this. This is and the Spurs is a brand new Spurs team. This is a team that needs time to get together. They're still they being the Spurs and Pop. Uh, still bring that up about, you know, and it's a new team, we need our chemistry. That was the perfect moment for them to bond. And then I'm pretty sure he had some words for them before he stepped out into the press area. You noted in your column that Rudy Gay looked a little sullen, like, you know, instead of, instead of him coming out talking about and being happy about his shot, he pretty much echoed what Pop had to say. Jim? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Uh, I'm sure the players got a tongue lashing. Uh, to a man, I think uh, Brent Forbes, Derek White, a couple others that were quoted uh, kind of reacted the same way. And, and that's fine. That's a motivational tactic that Pop has used often. Uh, I would argue at this point in the season, uh, this team knows who it is and knows Pop. And I would also argue that uh, they're playing for some playoff positioning. And right now, as we talk, there are six games out of first place, uh, in first, in fifth place uh, in the West. Every game means something, and every victory uh, gets them closer to uh, maybe even home court advantage. Again, right now, they're only a game and a half out of having home court advantage in the first round. So despite all the things they've had to overcome this year, Marcus Aldridge's early slump, DeMar DeRozan's tough January, they, uh, they're they right where they want to be. Uh, they're ahead of some pretty good teams, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers. Right. So I think wins do mean something in this league. And I get in the, the, the cosmic way that uh, Coach Pop looks at the game, uh, you're not supposed to win when you don't play better than the other team. And uh, at the end of the day, though, uh, there have been a lot of games that uh, they've lost when he probably thought they deserved to win. So I think uh, he certainly accepts losing, uh, you know, with equanimity, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's an excellent loser, and I think he needs to be a better winner, which is an odd thing to say about somebody. And I do think he kind of robbed Rudy of his moment, and I think, uh, you know, there are lessons to be learned in winning and losing, and I'm guessing that he wanted to treat that as if it was a loss so he could impact the message he wanted to, uh, impart the message he wanted to on his players, and that's fine. But I think it also robbed the fans. Uh, I know I felt uh, like the balloon had just been popped yeah. um, because, you know, it, this is professional sports. And you want your team to play well all the way through, but it is about winning and losing. And that's why I made the point about the playoffs. And I know as a, watching it from a fan's perspective that night, I was all happy and excited and running around and yelling. And the next thing you know, you watch and see what Pop has to say, and it's like, well, son of a gun. The coach uh, is treating this like uh, they got blown out by 40. Um, so uh, certainly the enjoyment factor for many fans, I won't say most, but many fans was tempered by the reaction of the head coach. And in this instance, uh, again, I just beg to differ just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, it, even if it was motivational, and if that was his angle, it kind of really didn't pay off because they followed that game with another nail-biter versus the Nets, a team that was out, was without their second-best player, Dinwiddie, um, who came in banged up, who had lost 15 straight to San Antonio, in San Antonio, and that the Spurs barely eked out that game, Jim. Right, and you know, well, you can certainly the, the facts would say the Spurs have won four in a row, and yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. But and they looked a little shaky, and uh, you know, really since uh, that Philadelphia game that was their last loss that uh, should have been a win. Um, so you you can't go back and say, well, if they'd have won this one, they should have won that one. They played right. well here, they should have won that. It is what it is. You know, many coaches say, you know, you are what your record says you are. And in this instance, you know, the Spurs record says they're in fifth place in the West. So good place to be. And uh, it also says that they've won 31 games. 
and if Pop wants to say they they only deserve to win 30, well, so be it. Right. But uh, you know, you are what your record says you are. And in this instance, um, you know, I just thought this went a little further than the mind games we've seen in the past. And, right. You know, I, the way he reacted, uh, I, I don't know that does Phoenix feel better because Pop said what he said. You know, he always has these heart to hearts with the other team's coach. And uh, at the end of the day, two of his players made incredible shots. And uh, they weren't designed plays. That, that shot by Davis was at the end of a broken play with a shot clock winding down. And, you know, the NBA's best three-point shooter made something out of nothing to give them a four-point lead that uh, they needed every point of. And then uh, Rudy Gay's shot, again, he dribbled the clock down. The Spurs, I believe, had a timeout to use and didn't use mm-hmm. it. And just because uh, the Spurs player was better than uh, Kelly Oubre, uh, who was guarding him, uh, they won that game. Um, we saw, you know, a couple nights ago, uh, something different happened. It was the other team that was getting a shot at the buzzer. And, you know, luckily for the Spurs, uh, you know, when the, the Nets got the three-point shot at the end, the Spurs played pretty good defense. There was some contact. The call could have gone against the Spurs. It didn't, and they ended up winning. Uh, I was watching to see, you know, what would have happened there if uh, they had called that whistle. Right. You know, we would Papa thought, well, you know, the Spurs played well enough where they deserve the whistle, so he's going to advocate for his team. Or they didn't play well enough, so the, his karmic justice here, you know, that maybe the, the Nets should have gotten the call there. I just think that's a kind of a convoluted way to approach things. You know, you, your players will play as well as they can on a given night. And as you mentioned, they didn't play a whole lot better uh, against the Nets than they did against, uh, you know, some of their previous opponents during right. this winning streak. But they played well enough. This was a, a higher quality opponent than, than a Phoenix, you know, or even a Washington. Uh, but the other point to make is a lot of the teams the Spurs have been playing have not had their best players this year. So I would argue that they've uh, kind of gotten the benefit of that in that regard. And uh, to me, it shouldn't diminish a win if the other team is depleted or not, because the Spurs could counter with the fact they haven't had DeJounte Murray all year. Right. So, you know, you, you can play this game till your, your head hurts. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, if you win and your team hits a, a last-second shot in dramatic fashion and it's a popular player, uh, I think Pop could have thrown him a little bit of love. Yeah, and I think a little bit of love is in order this season. Look, this, this is not uncommon. We've seen Pop pull this act uh, before in previous seasons, even when they had Tim Duncan and Manu and Tony in their prime, and they were winning titles. We've seen this before. He goes to this. I mean, you can almost, you know, pencil it in. Uh, okay, around this point of the season, he's going to use the soft um, message. Okay, around this point, he's going to say they played terrible. I mean, it's almost like clockwork now. Um, sometimes, Jim, I even think, okay, this is just an act. This is just pop, being yep. pop, you know, and we shouldn't take – too much of it, you know, and just revel in the fact that they won that game. Yeah, he he is a, a master manipulator, yeah. and I think to be a head coach, uh, you need to do that. I, I mean that in a, in a positive way. Um, for whatever reason, this time that act of manipulation uh, didn't sit right with me. Yeah. And uh, as a columnist, uh, you know, you, you want to write an opinion. And uh, I've been doing this for a while and written columns and on lots of teams, and I did not uh, expect this one to be you know, wildly popular with Spurs fans. If I had to estimate, uh, certainly over 90% of them uh, that reacted on Facebook or Twitter uh, reacted negatively. Um, still doesn't change my opinion. Uh, yeah. But I think, uh, you know, I'd like to see, I've seen a little bit different response from the head coach in that game. But I respect uh, the reader's opinions uh, as well. And yeah. I certainly value them. And this wasn't personal. And, again, I, I, that's why I prefaced it by the fact that this is arguably the best coach in the history of the game. But uh, I think everybody at some point, uh, you know, a little bit of introspection uh, can't hurt. To read uh, what Jim had to say in depth, uh, please go to the Spurs Zone, News for San Antonio, Fox 29, SanAntonio.com. Um, it's all there. Trust me, you, you'll, you'll see it. You know, a lot of fans are commenting. You go to the Facebook page. It's there as well. I think that's where you're going to get the most interaction uh, among Spurs fans and listeners of Locked On Spurs about Jim's article on Popovich's um, reaction 
following the big win over Phoenix, so the game-winning uh, shot with Rudy Gay. It's, it's a great read. I enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, I, I bumped it up to the first <laughs> um, post that morning. Uh, so um, it was it's really good. I really highly recommend you go read it. News for San Antonio, Fox 29, San Antonio.com, the Spurs Zone. All right, so Jim, we're going to take our final break. we get back, we're going to be talking about who's going and who's not going from the San Antonio Spurs to Charlotte for the 2019 NBA All-Star Game. All right, we are back, and I'm joined by Jim Lefko, News Force San Antonio. Follow him on Twitter, at Jim Lefko. Jim, some good news. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, he is going to be representing San Antonio for the Western Conference All-Stars as a reserve. Uh, he was given the nod. Um, by the coaches, and uh, this will mark his seventh appearance at the annual NBA event. Jim, well deserved, wasn't it? It is, and I would not be. It would not be the end of the world if he just tweaked a, a muscle uh, <laughs> in the last game, so he didn't have to play in that game. Because everybody wants to be named an All Star, and frankly, the way Lamarcus plays, his low post game is not suited to that up and down, no defense, no running plays game that the, the NBA All Star game is. And if you remember from last year, I don't believe uh, Lamarcus scored a point. Um, and I'm guessing he's going to be, uh, you know, if not the last pick when they do the draft, uh, probably right down there, you know, next to last. Because, again, it doesn't diminish what he does. He's just not uh, the kind of flashy player that the All-Star game recognizes. So great honor for him. Uh, it really would be cool if he backed out with this mystery uh, muscle spasm and they replaced him with DeMar DeRozan. Um, I know they play different positions. But, uh, yeah, I, I was not surprised. Um, Aldridge has been hot in, in this league. It's what have you done lately. If they'd pick the All-Stars, you know, six weeks into the season, uh, we wouldn't be talking about this because Aldridge, you know, couldn't find the basket. Um, now DeRozan, who had the best, you know, first half of the season of any spur, has really struggled in January. And, uh, you know, he, he has not played at an All-Star level. Struggled again last night. I think he missed, uh, what, seven or eight of his first nine or ten shots. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's not playing at an All-Star level right now, but his body of work says All-Star. And I thought uh, both players handled it uh, really graciously. You know, DeRozan's a pro, and uh, he was happy for LaMarcus and said, you know, his time will come if he's to go again. And LaMarcus was happy to get the honor, but uh, I, I think he goes into it eyes wide open that the, he's not a candidate to be the MVP of the All-Star game. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I'm glad you mentioned uh, about um you know, him not playing that many minutes the last time he was there. And it likely could be the same um, in Charlotte where he's just buried on the bench. And I think that will be perfectly fine with him, too. As a matter of fact, before he got the nod, he said it kind of didn't really matter to him one way or the other. If he got picked or not, uh, he said he's pretty much been there, done that. And he just focused on the matter at hand, and that being the NBA season, the Spurs regular season, uh, 56 points and a double Overtime win over Oklahoma City. He joined the 50-plus uh, point club. He's been on a tear of late, Jim. I mean, my goodness. I, it's not uncommon for him to be putting up double-doubles almost nightly now. And uh, he's been the rock for San Antonio, especially when DeMar DeRozan uh, was out for a few games for uh, rest slash left foot soreness. And his shot is off. I mean, without LMA, uh, probably the Spurs don't win four games in a row right now. Well, that's for sure. He was big last night, uh, you know. In that game, and uh, you know, remember it was just you know not that long ago when the Spurs fans uh, kind of looked at him as public enemy number one. Uh, you know, the threat to be traded, uh, the meeting with Pop, and the getting back on good graces, and then uh, what he did last year to carry the team. You know, without Kawhi Leonard, and what he's doing this year. Um, it was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, in last night's game against the Nets, uh, both both DeRozan and Aldridge were struggling through the first three quarters, and uh, it was kind of astounding to me that they were even in the game because they haven't had that many nights when both have been off. 
but the fourth quarter rolled around. DeMar found a way to get to the hole and put a few points in there. And Aldridge, you know, was his usual self, had some big buckets down the hoop. And uh, they came through when they needed to. So it, it's those two guys' team. They're, they're stars, 1A and 1B. And I think the fact that Aldridge is going to the All-Star game and DeRozan isn't doesn't change anything. Uh, mm-hmm. The Spurs are going to go as far as those two guys take them. And if they're both healthy and scoring 20 points a game, uh, I like what, what lies ahead for this team. Yeah, um, again, a great honor, good nod. I like it. It was a good pick for a second there, uh, Jim, before they were announced. I really, really thought that no Spur was going to go. I really thought yeah. um, that that was going to loom. And, you know, now that he did make it, that being LaMarcus, uh, that marks the 21st consecutive season, a member of the Spurs will be at the annual event. Jim, another accolade for the Spurs. That's great. Uh, it doesn't hurt that when Tim Duncan was responsible for how many <laughs> really of those just by those, himself. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, it's, that's a testament to how good they've been, and uh, it isn't slowing down. Uh, unless there's a cataclysmic collapse, we're looking at another playoff run, um, and usually teams that go to the playoffs every year have some pretty good players. Yeah. So not a surprise. Uh, I think there was some, some angst that, uh, you know, Davis Bertans does not look like, uh, at least initially, he might be part of that three-point uh, shooting right. contest. It seems like a miscarriage since he's the best shooter in the league, and that's what they're trying to honor. And uh, I guess that uh, that rookie second year game, uh, there was some expectation that I guess was it White that uh, they thought White, might yeah. get, get picked to be be in that game, and that hadn't happened either. Um, but I also look at it the other way. Uh, they've got a nice chance to rest, get away from the game. It's a long haul, and I think uh, sometimes you know getting a chance to clear your head and gear up for what we're calling the second half of the season, but really is just you know the final third or so of the season. Uh, it's it's good to to get a get a break and uh, you know less chance of getting injured, uh, extra plane trip you won't have to take. Um, so I you know the good and the bad. This is not an ego laden bunch. Uh, they they are confident in who they are without accolades rolling in. Mm-hmm. I think it's fans that would like to see you know somebody like Davis get out there and, and show the rest of the country what we already know. This guy's a remarkable shooter from distance. Yeah, and I, I think he he doesn't need to go to the NBA uh, three point shootout to know. Uh, to, or at least to let the NBA know how deadly he is from Diva. I mean, my goodness, there's not a shot that he cannot make <laughs> from beyond the arc. Uh, he is definitely red hot. Uh, but uh, speaking of uh, players not going to the event, and that'd be DeMar DeRozan. Um, he's a multiple uh, all-star during his playing days in Toronto. He's going to miss it this year. Um, Jim, I'll be honest with you, I'm not shocked, uh, considering the position he plays and the amount of talent at that position in the Western Conference. Yeah, you hit it on the head. If he was still in the East playing for Toronto, he'd, he'd have gone with these kind of numbers. But uh, you look at some of the people named ahead of him, and it's hard to argue that uh, he's better than those guys. And his numbers certainly you know, make him a candidate. But I, I still go back to you have to look at what the guy's doing on the court, and uh, the month of January has not been a good one for DeRozan. And if you're trying to separate him from some of the other stars out west that, that play his position, uh, you just have to look at the you know, last 10 or 15 games. And uh, he's cooled off. I have no doubt he'll he'll get it back together again. Uh, you know he's a little he was a little rusty uh, against the Nets after missing the, the previous three or four games, but he'll get his groove back. Uh, that jump shot is, is money, and uh, yeah, I think the only good things ahead for him. And he doesn't seem to be phased by the fact that he's not going to the All Star game, so we probably shouldn't be either. Yeah, um, do you think it was a snub? I don't know. I don't think I'd go that far. Mm-hmm. If he had if he had played all the way through like he'd done, you know, November, December, and, and October, uh, then I might have gone more that way. But he has not played well in January. Uh, it's a prolonged slump. Uh, but again, just like Aldridge, you know, snapped out of his um, his funk. I'm sure DeRozan will too. So it's hard to make the case for a guy who wasn't playing well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a pro. He'd be the first to tell you he hadn't been playing well. Now, you know, what does this award recognize? Is it just for the first half of the season? Is it a you know a career award? If it's just based on the first half of the season, you know, two-thirds of his first half were excellent, and mm-hmm. one-third wasn't. 
Um, and I don't follow the rest of the league enough to know if other players have had similar slumps. Uh, I tend to watch the Spurs most nights and, and you know, see the highlights. But, uh, no, I, I don't think it was a snub. Uh, I think he's a great player who's having a very good year. And by the end of the season, when they pick uh, the All-NBA teams, if he snapped out of the slump and it's, you know, it's forgotten, kind of like the Aldridge slump, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make uh, maybe second or third team All-NBA. Yeah. And uh, to me, that's even more impactful than uh, an All-Star game that uh, some players, you know, just assume not even go to. Yeah, he, he definitely was happy for LaMarcus uh, getting the nod after the announcements were made. Uh, so he was very, very thrilled for his teammate, which is good to see. But, uh, you know, the fact that he's not going, um, it could be a silver lining in the sense that, A, you know, he has been looking a little bit ragged because of heavy minutes. There was that left uh, ankle, I think it was that left ankle soreness that he was dealing with. And he really, he's been back, but he hasn't really been back to the DeMar DeRozan we've seen to start the season. So I think that little extra rest is going to help him, you know, some days away from the court. They'll be on the, mid, the middle of the Ritter road trip. They'll have an, a very extended break for DeMar DeRozan. And he, he just gets to focus on himself. Unlike LMA, he's going to have to do all the press stops, you know, practices with the team, um, you know, all the hubble that comes with the all-star event. Yeah, the fun thing would have been if he had been named, uh, if he'd ended up on the same team as uh, Kawhi Leonard. Oh, interesting. <laughs> or, if, or if he'd have gotten to guard Kawhi in the game. But, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. Uh, so, you know, that's just one storyline that, uh, you know, we won't see. And the other thing I was kind of watching was to see if Kawhi had become the, the leading vote-getter from the East and had right. to be the one doing the drafting. That you know, would he have drafted uh, LMA you know, or DeMar if he'd been right. picked? Um, so, you know, those are nice little storylines. And uh, I know that they're going to be televising the draft this year of the All-Stars. And, uh, again, I... You know, uh, if a Marcus is drafted last, you know, so be it. You know, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're still an all-star, and uh, that's the honor that it means. And I, I don't I don't doubt that uh, DeMar has more all-star game appearances uh, in his future. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, congratulations to LaMarcus Aldridge. He'll be representing the Spurs uh, shortly next uh, – actually, this month. I'm sorry. We're already transitioned to February already. We have. So, yeah. So, uh, later this month, uh, LaMarcus will be putting on that all-star jersey and hopefully in a little bit of run – to show off what he's been doing this season for San Antonio. So, again, congratulations to him. Uh, But to read all about this that we spoke on Locked On Spurs and more, go to the Spurs Zone. I urge you, um, outside of the articles that Jim has written this week and um, Marcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, all-star topic, I mean, pick a topic on the Spurs and it's probably there. (laughs) Seriously, from... Uh, a great moment captured uh, between the Spurs rookie Lonnie Walker and Spurs great Tim Duncan. Uh, to there at the Spurs zone, to Jim's column, uh, to this episode of Lockdown Spurs. There's just so much there to absorb uh, when you need your fix when it comes to the silver and black. Uh, Jim, can you let the listeners know where they can find you and interact with you? Sure. Uh, if they've got something positive to say, they can hit me at, uh, at Jim Lefko on Twitter. And if they have something negative to say, they can hit the at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Uh, there you go. No, I'm just kidding. Positive or negative, send them my way. Happy to uh, interact with folks and uh, just appreciate the, the continued support from uh, Spurs Nation. Yeah, um, give Jim a follow. I urge you. Um, he's really good about interacting with fans and you know, go go to his timeline. Just see the his uh, the react from Spurs fans about his pop article, and it's there. It's there on his timeline. Click on it and give it a read. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone, uh, or email me at jeffgarcia74 at gmail.com. Love to hear from you and what your thoughts on the silver and black. But for Jim Lefko, I am Jeff Garcia. We're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked On Spurs. 